Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The truth of the matter is we're known by the company we keep. And if we're comfortable with godly people, then we'll be known as godly people ourselves. Conversely, if we're walking with, then standing in the path of the ungodly, the sinner, and ultimately sitting in the seat of the scornful, we will become ungodly. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. You are who you surround yourself with. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches us to be careful with the people we keep company with. Oftentimes, we're known by who our friends are. When we surround ourselves with godly people, we become godly. As Christians, it's important we surround ourselves with those who love the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I spent some time kind of going through some of the commentaries on the book of Psalms, and I happened upon some very interesting comments about this book and the nature of this book. And I just want to share with you a few. I think you'll be blessed by them. Let's start with Matthew Henry. This is what he said about Psalms. He says, we have now before us one of the choicest parts of the Old Testament, wherein there is so much of Christ and his gospel, as well as of God and his law, that it has been called the summary of both testaments. One of the things that's going to become abundantly clear in our study through the book of Psalms is that Jesus is in it and all through it, and it's all about Jesus. Many of the prophecies about the coming of Jesus Christ are in the book of Psalms. I like how one commentator said it. He said, of the 219 Old Testament quotations in the New Testament, 116 of them are from the book of Psalms, many of which prophesy about Jesus's first and second coming. Listen to this. The gospels tell us Jesus went to the mountain to pray, but the Psalms tell us what he prayed. The gospels tell us Jesus was crucified. The Psalms tell us what Jesus was thinking while he was on the cross. The gospels tell us he went back into heaven, but the Psalms tell us what he's doing in heaven. Wow. You might say that this book is going to fill in a lot of blanks that are there and connect a lot of dots as well. Charles Spurgeon said this, the, and I like this word, delightful study of the Psalms has yielded me boundless profit and ever-growing pleasure. Common gratitude constrains me to communicate to others a portion of the benefit with the prayer that it may induce them to search further 
for themselves. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to share this quote from Spurgeon concerning the Psalms is that this is also my prayer for us, that this would create within us this desire to satiate this thirst, as it were, to search even further in this magnificent book, the book of Psalms. Martin Luther said this, the Psalms are a little Bible wherein everything contained in the entire Bible is beautifully and briefly comprehended. I think that's well said. And that's true, what the Psalms are about. C.S. Lewis, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me. Notice the personal expression of how much the book of Psalms meant to these men, these saints of old. He says, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight, there's that word again, in God, and I love this, which made David dance. That's okay, by the way, get a little bit Pentecostal and (laughs) move a little bit. I, I hope this book moves you. This book is a moving book. A moving book. Ray Stedman. I'll end with this one. Not the Bible study. Not just (laughs) this portion of the, this is just the introduction. So listen to what Ray Stedman said. The Psalms are much more than poetry. Many of them bear the title Maskil or teaching Psalm. They are thus intended to instruct the mind as well as to encourage the heart. They are designed not only to reflect a mood, but to show us also how to handle that mood, how to escape from depression, or how to balance exaltation with wisdom. One of the things, again, that's going to become abundantly clear as we get into the Psalms of David, which I think about Psalm 3, we start the first uh, Psalm of David. Uh, Psalm 1 and 2, the author is unknown. But when we start getting into the Psalms of David, oh my goodness, uh, they start off and you know that David is in despair and he's discouraged and even depressed as he starts off the psalm, and by the time he gets to the end of the psalm, he has completely changed. None of his circumstances have changed, but in his expression, in that mood, in that depression, there's this escape, as Stedman says, from that depression vis-a-vis the psalm. Well, let's jump in, and I want to read the psalm. It's only six verses in length, so... Hang in there with me, and then I want to sort of take out that which is embedded in this magnificent first psalm. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But, verse 2, his delight, I love that word. Did I I tell you I love that word, delight? Okay. (laughs) But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water 
that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, verse 6, knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay. If you were to put a title or a caption on Psalm 1, it would probably have to be along the lines of something like living a blessed life, or this is what a blessed life looks like. And the reason is, is because this psalm details the characteristics of a blessed life. And it does so by contrasting the ungodly with the godly. The way of the ungodly as opposed to the way of the godly. Now, the brilliance of contrasting is such that the darker the dark, the brighter the bright, and the whiter the white, by way of that contrast. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. Now, it's important to note that this word blessed carries with it the idea of, oh, how happy, oh, how blessed, oh, how happy, oh, how content, as one commentator suggests. So when you read it in the context of verse 1, it's, oh, how happy is the one. And it's interesting because it's a negative. Oh, how happy, oh, how content is the one who does not sit or stand or walk in the way of the sinner, the unrighteous the ungodly. In other words, this is the blessed man who does not do this. And that kind of can sort of maybe jam your gears a little bit because you would think that it would be more on the lines of the positive, not on the negative. You know what's interesting to me about this psalm, certainly how the psalm starts out, is that it's not really, and think about this, it's not really teaching us how to be happy, okay? Instead, it's a psalm about how to avoid things not to do so that you're not unhappy. In other words, God wants us to be blessed, and as such, God has already blessed us. Everything that God has for us, the blessing on us, is already there for us. And what the psalmist is saying here is that we have the potential to diminish or lose the blessing of God by virtue of things that we do or, more importantly, don't do. Namely, sitting in the seat of scorners, walking in the way of sinners, and the ungodly counsel, being unduly influenced by the ungodly. Those things erode the blessing 
that God desires for us and indeed has already given to us. Maybe a better way to say it is Psalm 1 is about how to avoid stripping the blessing of God that brings the happiness in the first place. Would you agree with this? God wants us as his people to be blessed, right? I mean, think about it from an earthly perspective as an earthly parent. Do you not hurt when your children are hurting? I've heard it said this way, that a parent is only as happy as their saddest child. Think about that. A parent is only as happy as their saddest child. Man, when your child is unhappy and hurting, you're unhappy and you're hurting too. So how much more for God and us as his people, his children? He wants us to be blessed. He longs for us to be a blessed people and he'll stop at nothing and do everything to keep us on the way of the righteous and avoid the way of the unrighteous. One of the things about this psalm that I really love is that it paints with magnificent colors, again, this stark contrast. And the the psalmist goes back and forth between this is what the godly are like and their life is blessed and this is what it looks like. And then contrast, this is what is not so with the ungodly. They're like a tree planted and the ungodly are like the chaff. What a contrast. We're going to talk about that more in a moment. Notice in verse 1 that the blessed life will be one characterized by, and here's the negative, not walking in the way of the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, if my life is to be a blessed and happy life, I won't allow myself to be influenced by the ungodliness and the things of this world. That's the thing I'm going to avoid if I want to avoid losing the happiness and the blessing of God on my life. It's interesting that, and I don't know if you notice this or not, but it goes from walking in the counsel of the ungodly to standing in the path of sinners to sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now, why is that interesting? Because is that not how it starts in our walk with the Lord? We're walking and then all of a sudden there's this undue influence, ungodly influence. And then the next thing you know, instead of walking, we're, we're standing. And then the standing can lead to ultimately, now we're sitting. We start by, by walking in the counsel of the ungodly, and then next thing you know, we're, we're standing in the path of sinners. That's a little bit more permanent, but not as permanent as sitting. You're sitting, right? You're sitting because you plan on spending some time sitting here tonight. But that's not only how it starts, that's how it always ends. And here's the thing. When you're sitting, ultimately, 
which is how this ends up, it's a good indication that you plan on staying and you plan on staying because now you find yourself being comfortable in that environment that you're sitting in. See, if you were uncomfortable in that environment, you would not be sitting there. You may not even be standing there. You would just keep on walking, right? But now you're, you're sitting, you're, you're lingering, you're becoming more comfortable sitting there. I think about Peter right before he denied the Lord three times as the Lord said he would. Where do we find him? Very interesting detail that we're told. He's sitting comfortably warming himself by the enemy's fire. He put himself and found himself comfortable in that situation. And that's what the psalmist is warning against. You want your life to be blessed? Can I say it this way? (laughs) Keep on walking. Keep on walking. Don't stand And certainly don't sit, because here's the thing. Sin is progressive. Sin is progressive. This is what Adam Clark says. He says, the great lesson to be learned from the whole is sin is progressive. One evil propensity or act leads to another. In other words, the walking leads to standing leads to sitting. And then he says this, he who acts by bad counsel may soon do evil deeds. And he who abandons himself to evil doings may end his life in total apostasy from God. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. And it's it's very subtle to drift away to linger on, if you will. And that's what the psalmist is warning about. I've heard it said that if someone tells you who your friends are today, you can tell them what their life will be like in five years. When we find ourselves comfortable in the counsel of sitting with the scorner, the sinner, the ungodly, then we become like them. The truth of the matter is we're known by the company we keep. And if we're comfortable with godly people, then we'll be known as godly people ourselves. Conversely, if we're walking with, then standing in the path of the ungodly, the sinner, and ultimately sitting in the seat of the scornful, we will become ungodly. Uh, Quick, a word on this word scornful. You know what that implies? These are mockers. These are people that mock God. These are people that ridicule our faith and our God and our Lord. And (laughs) you're around that, and that has influence on you. And, And here's the the dynamic, for lack of a better word, you're in that kind of environment. All of a sudden, the jokes start. And you're the only one sitting in that seat with those scorners, with those mockers, those ungodly, vile comments, some of which are blasphemous. 
How hard is it for you to be the influencer instead of the influenced? That has a powerful impact. And again, this is what the psalmist is warning about when it comes to what a blessed life looks like. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthians in his first epistle, chapter 15, verse 33, said this. And it's interesting because he says, do not be misled. Don't be deceived, which implies that there is this possibility that we can be self-deceived. What are we not to be misled about or deceived about this? Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. I heard one say one time, if you lie down with dogs, you come up with fleas. Nothing against dogs, just the fleas, (laughs) right? You lie down with dogs, you come up with fleas. In his second epistle, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, he sort of expounds on this and he says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. A, a yoke, you have to understand, in that agricultural society was, you had two animals, two ox, that were both yoked together with the same you know, thing next to each other to pull the cargo, for lack of a better word. And if you had an unequal yoke, the bigger ox would would virtually kill the the smaller ox because it would, the way that the yoke was. And that's what Paul is saying here. You cannot be yoked together with an unbeliever. And then he says this, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What are you wanting to accomplish by associating yourself with the ungodly and the unrighteous? Now, let me hasten to say what this does not mean. This in no way means that we don't associate with non-believers. Oh my goodness, how are we going to be salt and light? How are we going to reach the lost? How are we going to win the world for Christ? It's not that we don't associate with them. It's that the non-believer does not have undue influence in our lives. The psalmist continues in describing this blessed life as one who does not do these three things, the walking, the standing, the sitting. And that's in verse one, but he instead says the blessed life does what's written in verse two. Well, what's written in verse two? Oh, those who have a blessed life will delight in the word of God. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? 
if you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 